Welcome to Episode 2 of the Ohio Heritage Music Podcast presented by Roots of American Music. My name is Clint Holly, and today we will explore the connection between underground cartoonist Robert Crumb and the 78th Street Studio Building in Cleveland, Ohio. Traveling troubadour Tim Easton will be the featured artist on today's podcast. He was recorded on the third floor of the 78th Street Studio in our friend Brian Straw's Art Gallery Survival Kit. Cleveland, Ohio is an underdog. Having been the butt of national jokes for years, it often suffers from low self-esteem, just like the character in today's podcast. Having lagged behind the prosperity curve that's descended on other parts of the country, cars in Cleveland sport bumper stickers that say, Cleveland, you gotta be tough. And for long-term residents, we know that's the truth. In recent years, however, Cleveland has been a city reborn, home to a vibrant craft, beer, and food scene, as well as some of the most highly regarded cultural institutions in the country, the city has seen a growth spurt of housing inside the city limits, something many people were not even thinking about 10 years ago. Tucked away on a side street, close to the lake, sits a colossus of a building, the 78th Street Studios. The building looks like one of the many other relics of Cleveland's industrial past, and the only thing that reveals anything about its history are fading murals on the outside of the building proclaiming American Greetings Creative Studios. If you find the correct entrance, a visitor is greeted with a maze of stairs and hallways that lead to a multitude of small galleries, stores, music studios, and the home of the national music magazine Alternative Press. Today, however, we will dive deeper into the past and talk about one of the more prominent and quirky people who ever worked in the building during the 1960s, underground cartoonist Robert Crumb. Robert Dennis Crumb starts his journey towards the 78th Street Studio building in 1943, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is about the same time American Greetings takes over the building at 78th Street to use for lower-level services. Let's listen to the current owner, Dan Bush, talk about American Greetings and what they used the building for and how the building evolved over time. I'm guessing they they moved in here um, or or actually renovated the building for their world headquarters in around 1959 through 1961. Wow. Okay. AG had some presence here dating back as far as the 40s. And I think it it was probably mainly warehousing and a little bit of production. There's there's one relic of that on the third floor now uh, outside my my original office. It's a uh, big old uh, cast iron paper cutter. Really? Uh, which is a total liability. <laughs> the <laughs> bl- blade is off it. but right. it Don't let the general public s- around that Still one. do some damage with a gigantic <laughs> seven-foot lever coming off of it. At age 12, Crum and his family moved to Delaware, where he lives an uninspired and fairly average existence where nobody encourages his drawing, except for his brother Charles, who helps him create a comic book, which they try and sell door-to-door without a lot of success. But by the time Crum was 15, he had discovered 78 RPM records and the sounds of pre-war jazz, country, and blues players, and this would become a theme that would he would revisit many times throughout his career, and is something that we're going to talk a lot about during this podcast. In 1962, at age 19, Crum moves out of the family house, and his dad gives him 40 bucks to get lost. He lands a job in Cleveland, Ohio with American Greetings, and he seems to have mixed feelings about the city, as you can tell from this particular quote. Of all the big cities I've been in, Cleveland's about the deadest or something. But that's only in certain ways. In other ways, I really like Cleveland, you know? It's like the lowest common denominator or something. Like you can get right down to basics here or something. Like in Chicago, Milwaukee, or Detroit, or Denver, or a lot of other towns, I can get a lot of attention from people who appreciate artists. Like I get a lot of ego buildup that way. But Cleveland's a big, dumb town. 
I was here off and on for three or four years. I came here when I was 19 after I left home to look for a job and to live with my friend Marty Pauls. And I was here like two weeks and got a job with American Greetings doing color separations. So I worked in the color separations department for about a year, and then I was promoted to the highbrow department for about a year. And then I got married and went to Europe and came back and worked for American Greetings again for about two months. And then I decided to fuck Cleveland and went to New York to try and make it big in New York. I was there for nine months and I said, fuck New York and came back to Cleveland. Worked in Cleveland for about another eight months or something and then I went to San Francisco. The boss kept telling me my drawings were too grotesque. He got me to draw this cute stuff which influenced my technique and even now my work has this cuteness about it. It's also interesting to note that Art Crumb meets Harvey Pekar in Cleveland during the 1960s through mutual friends because of their shared love of 78 RPM records. This is a relationship that would later blossom into Harvey's graphic novel, American Splendor. Crumb bounces in and out of Cleveland for the next few years and finally winds up in San Francisco where he trips on acid a few times and becomes part of the underground comic scene. He creates some iconic characters like Felix the Cat and a logo for the phrase, Keep on Truckin'. Let's listen to Kevin Richards, artistic director of Roots of American Music, talk about Keep On Truckin' and its connection to an obscure character in American music. One of the big things that really took off was the Keep On Trucking logo. I've actually brought this this album, right. and, and it's got the artwork. It's got Crumb's uh, artwork right on the front cover. And, you know, so where did that come from? What inspired our Crumb to come up with that idea? Well, it's a blind boy fuller country blues tune. Crumb was a huge nut about and a collector of old 78s, and he loved country blues. He loved early American jazz, and, uh, you know, he loved country music, jazz, blues, and, and beyond. He was a huge supporter and believer, and uh, that's kind of where he got the idea to create this artwork. Let's take a quick break from the Art Crumb story right now and listen to a little bit of music by Tim Easton. In January of 2019 at the 78th Street Studios on the third floor, we brought Tim in and he sat down with the Ernest Tube crew and recorded directly to disc in a large studio space run by our friend Brian Straw. Here's one of his original songs, The Gallatin Pike. This stray dog keep on howling. I believe I'm gonna lose my mind. He cries all the night through, keeping the stray dog time. Some folks say they live on the right side. Some folks say they live on the wrong. But it's all the same to me When I got no one waiting at all Andrew Jackson walked down to the river On his way up to Washington Shot a man for calling him a coward Then washed his hands 
with a policeman is hiding out. He gonna make your life a living hell. He's got your old room waiting at the Davidson County Jail. Yes, he does. Well, I gave you good reason to doubt me And I gave you good reason to roam Watch me jump back off this old freight Call this crooked pike my home From the Cumberland I can see the stones Where they laid John Hartford down And his song still plays so gentle on all of my Turn your radio on Crum drew his musical heroes quite a bit during his career, and at one point he draws three sets of playing cards, one devoted to the heroes of blues, jazz, and country music. These cards became very popular and were a touch point for a lot of people and fans to discover music that they had possibly never heard before. Let's listen to Kevin Richards from Rome talk about these cards. Uh, but, you know, I got my hands on those cards, and I was studying them. You know, I, I loved Reverend Gary Davis. When I worked for Dick Lurie Guitar Studio, I was crazy about the style of Reverend Gary Davis and Blind Blake. And there was a particular teacher there that showed me how to play these tunes and gave me these albums. So I went out and looked for these albums, and I discovered on these albums that R. Crumb, had, on some of these records, had done the artwork. Right. And I'd, I'd like to think that the release of his book and the release of his trading cards kind of had the same effect that Harry Smith had on the the, the folk music world in the, in the 50s. It, he did it again in the, in, the, in the 80s. And then when the book was released, I think, what, 2006, you know, it kind of perpetuated, kind of preserved um, and made people aware of these early American roots musicians. A lot of talent went through that building at 78th Street when American Greetings was located there, including uh, R. Crumb, of course, and people like Tom Wilson, who created Ziggy, and Muriel Ferrion, who created the Strawberry Shortcake character. During an interview with Dan Chernowski, a former employee of American Greetings, he talks about the amount of talent that was in the building and some of the activities that went on in the building during its heydays in the 70s. They had two art shows a year. One was the carnival Mm -hmm. in the parking lot. Okay. Summer, put on by the artists, exhibit anything you want. And then the second one was always in the spring, and that was called the Spring Fine Art Show. Okay. And they brought in jurors. And the jurors did not know Tom Wilson from Little Jimmy, who right. has <laughs> only been on the board for six weeks. Right. And it was juried, and they they bounced the pieces they didn't want in the show. And, um, and that's still on, yeah. even at the new building, because it's right now no longer in the spring. It's... It, with the move and all, it got shifted, and they had an opening two weeks ago. Oh, nice. Of juried exhibition 
of employees, freelancers, and retirees. Oh, nice. And, of course, I was invited, and I submitted a piece and got in and received an award. Now, at the, at the bazaar or carnival, were they selling their artwork? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was just a, an evening. Uh, maybe by 4 or 5 o'clock, the artists would leave their booths. And we had right. little cubbies. And they'd set up, you know, hang things on the cyclone fence. And, and then it was till sunset. That sounds like a lot of fun. Till it was got, you know, yeah. it was dark and people couldn't see any longer. Right. <laughs> with flashlights looking. Right. <laughs> and then Irving would come by. Mm-hmm. He, he was the president. And he'd come by and he'd say. And it didn't matter what the price was. It could be $25, $250. Okay, for me, what's the price? Crumb probably knew that his time at America Greenings was not permanent. He was hired and fired several times, and one time he even got picked up by the creator of Ziggy walking down the street after being fired once. And Dan Chernowski relays this funny story about that particular incident. I don't know if he crossed the street or now he's on Clifton, and he was going to thumb a ride into Lakewood. And who comes around the corner on Lake was Tom Wilson. Really? Yeah. And Tom said, get in. And... He was driving him towards 117th, wherever he was going. And, right. And I think Tom said, so how are things? And he said, oh, they let me loose today. He said, they fired you? And then he hired him. So maybe Crum isn't cut out for art shows and carnivals and all that kind of stuff. But one thing that has remained a constant in his entire life is his love of American roots music. He's even gone so far as to form his own band devoted to playing early American music. Kevin Richards is a big fan of these records and can speak quite eloquently about uh, R. Crumb's style and what he brings to the table in terms of t- kind of turning folk music on its ear. Yeah, and most people don't know this. So, you know, We all know Crumb was a fabulous cartoonist and illustrator, but he was a very good musician. Uh, he played the banjo in the old-fashioned style, you know, like the plectrum banjo, four-string. He played the okay. mandolin. He was a left-handed musician, and he had a group called the Cheap Suit, Serenator, Cheap Suit Serenators. I think they called it, what, R. Crumb and the Cheap Suit Serenators? Was I think the that's official what it title. says right yeah. there, yeah. And, you know, he had four to six musicians in the band, and they had fiddles and banjos and uh, acoustic bass and guitars and, and all kinds of stuff, but they played early forms uh, or later forms of early American music. But he also kind of put a twist on the lyrics like you were telling me earlier about he make it a little, you know, yeah. racier. I mean, well, not that some of that 20s music wasn't racy in well, itself. Well, I mean, that, sometimes yeah. he, he would release tunes exactly the way they were. I mean, not exactly, but, you know, he would do a, 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 a you know, he'd replicate a tune pretty much close to the original form. But but sometimes I, we were talking about a song called Keep It Clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are those opening words again? Uh, I went to the river. Right. Jumped on a horse, uh, tried to get across the river. That was called Keep It Clean. And then Crumb turned that into a song about eating TV dinners. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he called it Get a Load Of. He made a modern old-time song right. out of an old-time yeah, he song. He just restructured it, rewrote it, put new lyrics. So, you know, it's part of the process. Right. Akron, Ohio native Tim Easton is another one of those artists able to take the folk tradition and bend it to his needs in order to create something new. His 2018 album, Paco and the Melodic Polaroids, was deeply rooted in the American folk tradition, but sounds completely fresh to today's ears. He revisited the Ernest Tube crew at the 78th Street Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, to record three new songs. And here's one of them, On My Way. 
love my darling until the end of time I love my darling so dear and I thank you day and night for understanding when I must be leaving here like the trucks out on the highway Like the seasons in the day Like the river that passes through your town I really must be on my way This whole damn thing started long ago just wake up one day and fly My mother and my father sent me on many long journeys So today I simply must abide Like the trucks out on the highway Like the seasons in the day Like the river that passes through your town I really must be on my way Yes, I have lived in many big cities and a few small towns along the way. It does not matter where I lay my hat, I'm gonna be coming back to you someday. Like the trucks out on the highway. Like the seasons and the day Like the river that passes through your town I really must be on my way Like all the trucks out on that highway Like the seasons and the day Like the river that passes through this town I really must be on my way I really must be on my way So Crumb leaves Cleveland in his rearview mirror and goes on to world fame with his cartooning, his record collecting, and his band. But where does that leave Cleveland? Obviously the 78th Street studio building is still around and a lot of art goes on in that building but what's kind of the state of creativity in cleveland and how do people feel about that big dumb town that uh crumb once talked about dan bush the owner of 78th street studios is a lifelong collector of cleveland art and he's definitely got some opinions so let's sit in and listen to a few of the things he has to say about that subject the cleveland art scene today is just jamming 
I mean, art is still one of the most difficult industries imaginable. I give my customers a ton of credit for what they do. Um, you couldn't pay me enough to run an art gallery or be trying to sell my, my own artwork um, right. ever. But um, Cleveland's definitely developing an appreciation for it. Uh, we still have a long way to go in terms of patronage. I right. mean, at the end of the day, we can have all the talent in the in the universe creating their stuff here in town, but unless people are willing to buy it and collect it and enjoy it, uh, which I personally do, and that's that's a big uh, chunk of how this all came into being. Right. Um, I've been collecting the art of Northeast Ohio dating back to the 1880s for 35 years. Wow. Um, and it's a really exciting, I, I hate to call it a market, but that's kind of what it is. It's a really right. exciting market. Dan's knowledge about Cleveland art is abundant, and he throws out a lot of names I had never heard of, and you possibly haven't either. And we're talking about art here, so... Crumb isn't the end of our story. He's just part of the story. So let's sit in a little bit more with Dan and listen to him talk about the value that these Cleveland artists bring to the table. As I started to say earlier, the quality of art in Cleveland historically has been so incredibly top-notch. There are a handful of artists from Cleveland that maybe not a lot of people know about, but Carl Gertner, William Summer, um, Clara Dyke. These guys uh, are are frequently sold in New York at galleries in in like five to six figures. Right. Uh, they're artists that have deep Cleveland roots, and they're appreciated on a national scale. But it's such a limited um, roster. Uh, I don't think people have really embraced uh, the quality of what was what was patronized by the Severances and the Hannas. Right. And 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 those guys in Cleveland. Since a lot of this podcast has to do with music, I sat down with Roots of American Music teaching artist Brent Kirby, who's been involved with Rome for over 15 years, about the state of music in Cleveland and creativity in general and how people perceive Cleveland as a place to make music and make art and how they sometimes go elsewhere, but a lot of times end up coming back to the city of Cleveland. What's kind of your take on creativity in, in Cleveland right now? Um, there's a lot of people uh, a- active in Cleveland right now. Do you see Cleveland as a place where musicians can come and uh, and, and hone their skills and, and break out of Cleveland? Or do you see people leaving Cleveland to pursue per, uh, you know, their pursuits elsewhere. What's uh, What keeps you involved in the Cleveland scene? That's a, that's a very multi-tiered question. Well, we got some time. Yeah, it is, right? yeah. <laughs> um, it, I do think that uh, Cleveland has a very, very strong original music scene. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of people out there writing great songs that mean something, that reflect the community that they live in. And, um, and you know... I, I, I have a, a, an event called the 10 by 3 every Wednesday uh, at Brothers Lounge. I've uh, done it for the last eight years, 10, 10 singer-songwriters or bands of performers doing three songs each, and then two of those required to be original, and the third can be original, original or cover. Um, and what I get to see there, the opportunity that I have is get to see a progression of, of a songwriter where they come af- year after year, and you're able to see uh, improvement um, but then you're also able to see these 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 glimpses of of uh, just great original music that that is just kind of unheard yet, you know. And hopefully those things will be heard. Um, I do think there's a, there's a talent drain that can happen in Cleveland, where um, you know to be a legitimate musician, I think it would 
there's a view that you have to go to a music city to do that. You have to move to Nashville, you have to go to New York, you have to go to LA or Austin or something. Um, what's interesting is I've known a bunch of people who have made those trips and then found their way back to Cleveland mm-hmm. and say, man, there's something about this place. There's something about the spirit of the place, the underdog quality of it, you know, I think really is reflective in the music and, and in how people um, treat each other. You know, and, and, and just how, how it's presented, presented out there. So in the end, maybe Cleveland isn't that big, dumb town that Crum once talked about. There seems to be a lot going on in this city. There's a lot of great food. There's a lot of great music. And obviously, it seems like there's a lot of great art. And a building like the 78th Street Studio can endure for a long period of time and still be the center of that kind of activity in a city that uh, has changed immensely in the last 15 to 20 years. I'm not here just to be a cheerleader, however. There's a lot of challenges still left in Cleveland, and everybody that I spoke to spoke deeply about the challenges of patronage, needing more listeners for music, and more people that enjoy and purchase art in general. So in the end, maybe you should just go out and see some live music, original live music, buy some local art, and attend things like Brent Kirby's 10x3 at Brothers Lounge or come to a third Friday at 78th Street Studios, and check out the art that's being produced there. Well, that about does it for our trail of crumbs and our story of the 78th Street Studio and Robert Crumb's time working for American Greetings there. Let's check out with one last song by our featured artist, Tim Easton. With the old shotgun Rolled those wheels in the city in the sun Down to Baltimore Baltimore, I want to take a ride to Baltimore I took her by the hair I set her on my knee Turned her around and I set her free Down in Baltimore Baltimore, I put her down in Baltimore I said I killed one, but I know I killed more To the reservoir stole me another But I didn't get far from Baltimore Baltimore, I wanna take a ride through Baltimore I took a big hit of that dockside wild And I knocked my socks from the Delaware line Back to Baltimore, Baltimore I just had to see the bottom Now, right now, yeah, right now Side and I took my chances on a highway ride back to Baltimore. Baltimore, I'm putting on a chase in Baltimore. Well, they cornered me down by the gunpowder falls, and I took them out with no trouble at all here in Baltimore. Baltimore, I'm putting on a chase in Baltimore. They said I killed a fool, that's right, I killed a fool. So used to this life of sin I'm going up to Philadelphia And doing it again My name is Clint Holly, And I hope you enjoyed episode 2 Of the Ohio Heritage Music Project Following the Crumbs 
This episode was produced in conjunction with the Ohio Arts Council and Roots of American Music. I would like to express thanks to all of those whom I interviewed, as well as Martin Schneider, who provided source material on our crumb, Dave Polster, who always provides technical expertise, and Kevin Richards, the artistic director of Roots of American Music. Roots of American Music is a nonprofit organization based in Northeast Ohio dedicated to preserving, educating, and offering playing opportunities to those interested in Roots music. For more information, please visit www.rootsofamericanmusic.org or visit us on Facebook and Instagram. Please consider a small donation to Roots of American Music in order to keep these podcasts coming. Thanks, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right.